America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day, another great week, in fact, in this greatest nation on God's green earth. And it is a great nation that appears to be waking up. There is an increased conversation about not allowing the horrors and the war crimes and the mass murder to continue in Ukraine. And what is NATO for if it isn't to step forward and stop the killing? I'm not talking now about a major war with Russia, but there are negotiations going on. The U.S. and Chinese officials allegedly met amid war in Ukraine. And it could be that working through China is a way that um, uh, President uh, uh, Biden could actually get some kind of agreement that would stop the slaughter and uh, yet would save some kind of prestige for, uh, for Vladimir Putin, which he might need. There are also increasing numbers of people, including Americans and patriotic Americans, who are packing up and going off to fight in Ukraine. There are people from around the world who are doing that. No, they're not coming out to fight for Vladimir Putin. They're coming out to fight for the other Volodymyr, uh, that would be Zelensky, and for the Ukrainian people, who, honest to goodness, no matter how you may have felt about Ukraine or Ukrainians before this, this is an example that's inspiring the world. And it makes a, a very, very big difference. Uh, President uh, Biden may be going to Europe next week looking for peace. Maybe he'll do a little bit better. Uh, no chuckles or, or laughter in inappropriate places. He'll do a little bit better than his vice president, Kamala Harris. There's also new polling that shows that not only is Biden facing difficulty with voters, but Trump has taken a gigantic hit. I mean, really, really notable in a whole series of polls, a whole series of people in the electorate who were once the source of his electoral strength. And, uh, and USA, uh, at uh, U.S. News and World Report, they've collated some of this polling to say that, uh, look, it is no longer a given that Trump will be the Republican nominee in 2024. Tom Brady is back and Colin Kaepernick is trying. Uh, Russell Wilson, alas, is saying farewell to Seattle, but uh, Seattleites might feel better about results of a new poll that lists the top cities that young people graduating from college want to move to. Uh, what would you think they would be? We will get to that. And uh, uh, the Dow gave up a 450-point gain uh, just now uh, because and turned negative because of market volatility uh, due to the Russia-Ukraine war continuing. We'll be speaking with Daniel Henninger of the Wall Street Journal. And uh, Daniel has put forward a provocative suggestion about a way to save Ukraine as an independent nation without necessarily going to war directly with the United States in uh, and, and provoking 
perhaps, God forbid, a nuclear exchange, we will be dealing with that. And speaking of nuclear exchanges, one of the, the most important things that the United States needs, not just to protect against possible war with Russia, but uh, whether it's North Korea or Iran or whoever it happens to be, India and Pakistan, they had a, uh, an exchange uh, where fortunately Pakistan did not react to an Indian missile that fell on their territory. Uh, Arthur Herman is going to be being uh, our guest on the show talking about new developments in missile technology that could change everything where the United States has terrific opportunities. 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. Uh, there is so much going on right now that it's almost impossible to get to everything. But one of the things that we do need to get to is also the most embarrassing infrastructure investment ever because it's so gigantic. Uh, but uh, we will get there. That involves, of course, the state of California. Uh, this piece is in the Wall Street Journal today. It says, uh, Dateline Lviv, Ukraine, where the reports from Lviv, which is in the far west of Ukraine, it's the westernmost city, is that right now the streets are full, life is normal, There is, they are not being attacked, though the Russians have attacked uh, viciously a, uh, uh, an air base in the far west of Ukraine, not too far from Lviv. And that was one of the centers where foreign veterans uh, of other wars signed up to fight against the Russians. Uh, the story from the Wall Street Journal, Lviv, Ukraine, uh, Irakil Okrushavili was the former defense minister of Georgia. And last week he joined a Ukrainian foreign fighter regiment created to face down the Russian invasion in a hurry. Three days later, he and a group of countrymen, former Special Forces soldiers from Georgia, made contact with Russian troops north of Kiev. A combination of international arms and foreign volunteers has joined Ukraine's efforts to impede the Russian advance in the third week of the conflict. And they are now playing a growing role as these fighting spreads. We already passed this way in 2008 when we had a war with Russia, said Mr. Okushvashvili, the uh, former defense minister of Georgia. He was referring to Moscow's invasion of Georgia that year. Ukraine is not fighting only for its own freedom, its own sovereignty, its own independence. This is not the war of Ukraine only. Ad addressing uh, this imbalance, President Volodymyr Zelensky last month announced the formation of the International Legion of uh, Defense of Ukraine, appealing to veteran soldiers outside the country who have specialized skills and experience in war and join the fight. And this is an amazing thing. The Wall Street Journal is, is reporting they so far have attracted 20,000 foreigners who have enlisted in the International Legion. There have been nearly 13 million visits to the group's website in its first 24 hours. Okay, this is stirring the whole world. It is not just a matter of Russia and Ukraine and even goes well beyond Poland or the uh, Baltic republics, 
or other countries, Moldova, which could be the next uh, uh, country, it is a nation, that Putin would hit. Uh, Canadian Foreign Minister Melanie Joy has said her government understood that people of Ukrainian descent would want to help defend their motherland and that doing so would be up to them. The U.S., like many other countries, discourages its citizens from going to fight in Ukraine, as that could have legal and security ramifications. But uh, Americans are going. We're going to hear from one uh, local uh, individual in Seattle who is making the trip to Ukraine. Uh, and uh, not for the purpose of sightseeing, but for the purpose of fighting for the cause of sanity, decency, liberty, and which I believe that any individual of conscience would have to support. Uh, the Un United Kingdom Foreign Secretary Liz Truss this week uh, said that she supported British nationals going to Ukraine to fight, uh, saying that uh, she would back them if they wanted to join the struggle. She's pulled back on that a little bit more recently. But what is going on here, and what does it mean long-term, and what are the real chances for some kind of negotiated settlement? We'll get to all of that, plus the latest on shocking polling, all coming up on The Medved Show. You're listening to The Mighty Michael Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Choices. Michael Medved show uh, news uh, just broke that uh, Vladimir Zelensky having delivered a, a memorable speech uh, to the House of Commons in Great Britain is now going to be speaking virtually he's not coming here he's not leaving the front of battle because that's where he is that's he visited today he went to various hospitals visiting and comforting some of the wounded um, and some of the families that have uh, lost family members in the fighting. But President Zelensky is going to be addressing a joint session of the Congress of the United States on Wednesday, which, um, <laughs> you know what, I, I really hope that people like Madison Cawthorn, who is about as disgusting a um, an individual uh, as you can find in elected office, period, uh, or Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, other people who favor the Putin side of uh, this struggle for reasons that make no sense at all, in any sense at all, that those folks uh, don't show up. Uh, they, they don't come and because they'd be perfectly capable of booing or catcalling or something like that. Well, uh, President Zelensky is speaking. Um, th this uh, is an email that came in about a call that I uh, I got on Friday, and uh, it, the the caller had been uh, very persuaded by an Oliver Stone film that came out about five years ago, and uh, the the film is called Ukraine on Fire. And it's very anti-Ukrainian, very pro-Putin. This is the same Oliver Stone who made a, a, a great big uh, 
Technicolor Spectacular that every word in it was a lie, including and and the. I'm borrowing a line there from uh, Mary McCarthy. But um, look, Oliver Stone did the film JFK. He also did a film called Comandante, which was about how Fidel Castro was one of the greatest leaders in the history of humanity. And so, of course, he does a pro-Putin film called Ukraine on Fire. Uh, Aaron from Otis Orchards, Washington, writes in, Michael, listening to Friday's show, Hour One, just listened to the caller about Oliver Stone's Ukraine on Fire. I watched much of it, but ultimately turned it off. The question I would ask your caller is, if Ukrainians felt they wanted to be part of Russia and that their election was fraudulent, why wouldn't Ukrainians accept Russian soldiers with open arms. Why the fight? And the reason why the fight is because it's not so long. People have memories, family memories, realities of what the Russians did to Ukrainians. And by the way, it it wasn't uh, just in recent history. It's going back to the 17th century. It's going back, I mean, a very, very long time. That's part of what my piece is today, uh, which is posted over at the Wall Street Journal. And the, um, the idea that Ukrainians favor the Russian soldiers with the bombing of kindergartens and the bombing of children's hospitals and of uh, maternity wards and more. I mean, come on. Come on. Uh, There is this. I mentioned an American fighter in Ukraine who appeared on uh, Fox News, and uh, he's uh, had this to say about uh, the motivation of the Russians and his motivation in defending Ukraine. This is clip 10. Listen. The whole entire population has gone into a full war mode. Um, All the roads that are still in Ukrainian control are in total lockdown. Um, The entire population that has remained here in Ukraine has rallied behind the country and as the uh, the war atrocities are on social media. Everybody is just aghast at what's going on here as they've started targeting uh, civilians as well as military. But we, um, from the younger generation into the older generation that remembers Soviet times, this whole country is fiercely fighting for the independence that they just celebrated 30 years this year. And uh, then here locally in Seattle, There was uh, a report on Cairo 7 TV of a local man who's traveling to Ukraine to fight alongside his wife. Uh, Listen, clip nine. So this retired combat medic who also has ancestral ties to Ukraine plans to join her with others like he. So these guys are all airborne special forces. I was airborne, 82nd airborne myself. So I was in Hurricane Katrina and Iraq. I have three guys or two guys that are coming with me so far. A combat engineer who's in the army and uh, 
a regular a regular old infantryman, but no infantryman is that, that regular after they see war. He says his mother, a physician in Michigan, is helping him find medical doctors willing to make the journey to the war-torn country. You could die. I'm prepared for that. I would rather die a good death than, than watch babies starve to death. But he insists Ukrainians will prevail. I'm not going there to lose or to die. I'm going there to get my wife and to win. God bless him and uh, keep him strong. This goes together with, uh, th there's a lot of polling data today, and I don't want to throw out a whole bunch of numbers, but this is a, a substantive and, and truly shocking poll. And it appeared in the Wall Street Journal um, in a column by Matthew Hennessy. He says, I read the results this week of a Quinnipiac University survey indicating that, well, it isn't really a joke, but there are more sunshine patriots in our midst than anyone realized. The pollster asked this question, what would you do if you were in the same position as Ukrainians are right now? Would you stay and fight or leave the country? Shockingly, more than half of Democrats say they would cut and run if the U.S. homeland were invaded. We aren't talking about women and children or even some cadre of pacifists and conscientious objectors. This is most Democrats saying they'd rather leave America than defend it. Only a pathetic 40% say they would stick around. Republicans did better. More than two-thirds, 68%, said they would stand their ground. Now, this could be a reflection of the partisan skew in the nation's distribution of small arms. But one in four Republicans said they'd flee. Not exactly the don't tread on me spirit I was expecting. What in the hell has happened to this country? Asked Matthew Hennessy. Where have all the Minutemen gone? The Molly Pitchers, the Audie Murphys, the Todd Beamers? Answer, right now, they've gone to Ukraine. And uh, again, if you look at the pictures of this, uh, of what they call the Legion for Ukraine, the Legion of Defense of Ukraine International. It's pretty inspiring. There are people from everywhere. We'll be right back on the MedVet Show. Another breaking uh, poll about uh, Vladimir Putin's approval rating. Now, they did do a poll featured in Newsweek uh, that uh, was taken in Russia by uh, a member of the uh, Putin Brain Trust, apparently. And it showed that uh, in Russia, his approval rating is way up. He has over 70% approval, <laughs> which uh, I, I know that he's... Uh, can can at some point reach the towering heights of other strongmen and autocrats and dictators. I remember Saddam Hussein used to stage elections, and he would get 98% of the vote, 99% of the vote. And you always wonder what happened to the people who didn't vote for him. But in any event, here in the United States, uh, Vladimir is not doing so well. 
not doing so well. Uh, here's how he compares to others, such as Saddam Hussein, Kim Jong-un, and Ayatollah Khomeini. As recently as a decade ago, about half of Americans had a positive view of Russia. And even after Russia interfered in the 2016 U.S. election, 22% of Americans, including 37% of Republicans, said they still had a favorable view of President Vladimir Putin. Times have certainly changed. A new poll from Wall Street Journal. Uh, on Friday, they uh, conducted the poll, reinforced that Russia's invasion of Ukraine has turned Putin into what can only be described as a pariah. Uh, also a little bit of a piranha, but that's different. A fully 90% of Americans <laughs> now have an unfavorable view of the Russian president. Uh, 86% very unfavorable. 4% have a favorable opinion of, of President Putin. If, by the way, you're part of that 4%, you won't be shouted at, you won't be turned into any government agency. Um, just explain yourself. I'm curious. How, who are the four percenters who have positive views? I mean, other than Madison Cawthorn, who are the four percenters who have positive views of President Putin? Okay, last week in another poll, it was only 75% who were unfavorable and 13% favorable. And I wonder what it was finally. What is it that Putin has done in the past week? I mean, I guess bombing maternity hospitals may not be a pathway to popularity. Uh, both polls show negative views of Putin are exceedingly bipartisan now. Uh, those numbers put Putin in some rarefied company when it comes to the most hated world leaders in recent American history. Uh, Osama bin Laden was tops, but... Uh, one of the things I remember, and Jeremy, you must remember this. Uh, do you remember that uh, uh, Patty, uh, uh, Patty Murray, the uh, senator from Washington, the senior senator from Washington, was giving a speech at an elementary school, and somebody asked them why are people, so many people around the world support bin Laden? And she talked about, well, he's done a lot. He's built a lot of hospitals and daycare centers. Now, of course, the idea that al-Qaeda would have anything to do with a daycare center where they do not want women to go out to work. But no, uh, Patty Murray was, uh, and she withdrew that. Uh, but <laughs> it, it was on tape. Still didn't prevent her from getting reelected. But you have a chance to prevent her from getting reelected and to vote for a very fine Republican uh, uh, coming up, Tiffany Smiley is the likely Republican nominee. In any event, with that detour, uh, there is uh, Jake Sullivan warning Russia against using chemical weapons. Now, this is very complicated because there is a lot of assumption that this entire thing, and it's a series of lies, and it's clearly lies, and it's... It, demonstrably lies. And if, if you don't believe it, just listen to people like Mark Levin, who uh, isn't always have the highest faith in the government, government functioning or American intelligence. But the idea that there are bio labs in the Ukraine where they're making bioweapons that are paid for by the United States, it is Russian propaganda. And the people 
who are promoting that are useful idiots who are being used by Vladimir Putin for his evil purposes. And one of the concerns, of course, is that they're setting this up so that they would create a false flag operation, that they would somehow use chemical weapons or even biological weapons in the U.S. Uh, and uh, it, it, or in Ukraine and then blame it on the Americans or blame it on the Ukrainians. Uh, here is what uh, the National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan uh, said uh, about warning Russia against the use of chemical weapons. This is clip seven. I'm not going to, in public, lay out the specifics of the severe consequences that Russia would face were it to actually use chemical or biological weapons inside Ukraine. I will just say that the United States, in coordination with our allies and partners, is prepared to impose such severe consequences. And we have communicated that directly to the Russians. Mm -hmm. We have consulted with our allies and partners about it. Uh, and we are prepared for that eventuality. And part of the reason, Chuck, that we're so concerned that this may happen is that when Russia starts accusing other countries of potentially doing something, it's a good tell that they may be on the cusp of doing it themselves. What we're here to do is to deny them the capacity to have a false flag operation, to blame this on the Ukrainians or on us, to take away their pretext, and to make the world understand that if chemical weapons are used mm -hmm. in Ukraine, it is the Russians who will have used them, and uh, the response will, as the president said, be severe. And uh, severe probably means, without him qualifying it here, something beyond uh, more sanctions, which is appropriate. Meanwhile, Putin had a top-level meeting with uh, his one best bud. Uh, and his one best bud is not Xi Jinping. I mean, China, of course, abstained in the UN vote that they had on condemning Russia. His best bud is Alexander Lukashenko, who is a, a complete stooge, loser, doofus dictator in neighboring Belarus, who ac actually really did lose a rigged election. Uh, I mean, he lost the election, but he rigged it to, of course, make sure that he stays in power like most dictators do. Lukashenko, uh, through a translator, was saying that his buddy Vladimir Vladimirovich had no choice, no choice, but to invade Ukraine, because otherwise, well, listen, this is clip five. We weren't the ones to attack them, because the Ukrainian army started shelling. When I visited last time, we were sitting in a helicopter, and we were getting those reports. So they were the ones who started. And I will show you now from where they prepared an attack assault against Belarus. And if we didn't assaulted them preemptively, they would have assaulted our forces, Belarusian and Russian, who were part of the exercises. So we weren't the ones who started this assault. Our conscience is clear, because look, biological weapons, the largest nuclear power station, power plant, and they were ready to blow it up. Now we see what's happening in Chernobyl. You ask me to give them power, and they don't even need this. They don't even think about that. Okay, um, anyone think that's credible, that needs to be checked out, that Ukraine was in the process of invading Russia? Uh, does 
again, are, do people even in Russia believe that? Some, perhaps. Uh, and maybe some here in the United States. 1-800-955-1776. There's much more, uh, plus a brand new polling after his uh, rally in uh, South Carolina over the weekend about Donald Trump. We'll get to that. Coming up on the Medved Show. And on the uh, Michael Medved Show... There is a uh, piece that uh, just appeared in uh, U.S. News and World Report, uh, and you can find it at usnews.com. And uh, it it talks about the fact that we have at the moment this rare situation on the in the United States where the approval rating for President Biden is very low. It's in the low 40s. It's uh, the kind of approval rating where no one can win an election and approval rating for uh, the most prominent candidate against Joe Biden, assuming Joe Biden runs. I assume he will not. But the most prominent candidate against him is Donald Trump, whose approval ratings are even worse. And in fact, the most recent um, the most recent trial heat between Trump and Biden shows uh, Trump losing by about 13 points, badly. And what the uh, U.S. News & World Report says is his favorability ratings are well underwater and key voter groups that propelled him to the White House have soured on him. Twice as many people say they'd be less likely to vote for a congressional candidate endorsed by him compared to those who say they'd be more likely to vote for the down-ticket contenders. In a hypothetical rematch in 2024, he'd lose to his 2020 opponent. The numbers are not looking good right now for Donald Trump, whose iron grip over the Republican Party appears to be weakening. And while the former president still has substantial influence with party brass, Witnessed by the Republican National Committee censuring two lawmakers participating in the investigation of the January 6th riot, Trump's power is not what it once was, experts and pollsters say. Uh, he doesn't get to speak ex-cathedra anymore, where everyone just drops to their knees and believes in him, says Max Stepanovich, a veteran uh, GOP consultant who now considers himself an independent. He gets booed by his audiences. Florida Governor DeSantis did everything but moon him, and he's going to get away with it. He's running away with his race, by the way, and he's raised epic amounts of money, some of which he could use for future campaigns. Um, this is all going on, and one of the things that's fascinating is, do you remember once upon a time when there used to be, on multiple channels, they would broadcast live Trump rallies? And Trump did a big rally over the weekend and uh, in uh, Florence, South Carolina, and where he's getting very involved with two contested um, congressional districts where there are conservative Republicans. And I mean, 
the most among the most conservative voting records in Congress. And Tom Rice and Nancy Mace and Trump is running a candidates against both of them. He called them horrendous and horrific. Uh, but this was the way that President Trump was introduced at his rally uh, by Governor H.C. McMaster of South Carolina. Uh, listen. I've read it in the jungles. The mighty do not have to fight. They say that when the bull elephant lives, the herd is peaceful and prosperous. But in his absence, confusion, disorder, and destruction ensues. Well, when I get through speaking, the next voice you will hear will be, in a little while, will be that of our own bull elephant, Donald Trump. Well, I think uh, peace, uh, let us hope, ensues among Republicans. Uh, what this um, uh, points out is uh, reports on politicians' popularity have focused on the dismal ratings for President Joe Biden, whose approval numbers are in the low 40s, worsening an already challenging midterm election year for Democrats. But Trump isn't doing any better. An Economist YouGov poll released this week found that Trump had a favorable rating of 40%, unfavorable of 55%. 45% of all Americans describe themselves as very unfavorable toward the former president. Um, and they break this down to different voting groups that all voted for Trump in 2020. And uh, voters 45 to 64 years old, the president one big now among that group, 57% uh, see him unfavorably. That's Trump. Among 65-plus voters, that was a, a group that Trump won handily in 2020. There are uh, now 54% who view Trump unfavorably, with 44% seeing the former president favorably. And a morning console poll this week found 60% of voters 65 and older have an unfavorable view of Trump. White male voters without a college degree overwhelmingly supported Trump in 2020. Uh, now he uh, uh, is, that group is evenly split. Uh, NBC poll found that 56% of GOPers now describe themselves as supporters of the Republican Party with only 36% saying they are supporters of Trump. Which, by the way, is good news for the party whether you love Trump or not. Because if people have a deeper commitment to a Republican party, to Republican ideas, to an alternative to Joe Biden, what that means is that this entire focus on one controversial personality isn't entirely necessary. Uh, Biden writes U.S. News & World Report, also struggling in public opinion polls must help his party hang on to congressional seats this fall when Democrats are widely expected to lose seats in the House and quite possibly their majority there uh, and face a tough task in keeping their slight advantage in the U.S. Senate. Actually, the Senate's tied is Kamala Harris, <laughs> who is uh, the tiebreaker. Hosting an unpopular president is generally not considered a wise campaign strategy, uh, but the NBC poll found that Trump's backing is no more of an advantage and may be less of one than Biden's. 
that uh, survey found that um, a, a very small minority uh, of voters are more likely to support a candidate if Trump endorses the candidate. By over two to one, they're more likely to oppose a candidate due to a Trump endorsement. Now, what does that all that mean? Um, what it means and what, what also I think is reflected is the, the uh, thing that I played from Henry McMaster about the bull elephant. Uh, and there was a big rally, this big rally in Florence, South Carolina. Now, South Carolina is one of those states where Trump is still popular. But that generally, and I think a great deal of this has to do with Ukraine, uh, which is focusing the American people on a, a, a truly profound moral issue, but also a truly profound practical issue about our security and uh, about whether we have to follow the example of Europeans who apparently are going crazy building bomb shelters because they're afraid of Russian attacks and to be able to escape the immediate radiation of a nuclear device for at least a couple of weeks. I mean, it's hideous. It's unimaginable. And right now, when uh, you, you have uh, an administration that is faltering, no question about it, but at least on the right side on Ukraine and trying to keep together a Western alliance, which is really the only hope for the world, that's a serious matter. And some of the biggest concerns of President Trump, and they are still his biggest concerns, about uh, doing a hand recount of votes from 2020 or trying somehow to prove or solidify the idea that there was a stolen election in 2020, doesn't that seem, in, in light of what's been going on in the world recently, a little bit less important, a little bit less necessary? Again, here is a, uh, an, another uh, big poll. And it shows Biden and the Democrats losing ground, but not to Trump, losing ground to the GOP. And what that means is it's important to continue hearing from GOP leaders like Mitch McConnell, above all, who is probably the most powerful Republican in the country right now. But Kevin McCarthy over in the House, John Thune over in the Senate, uh, Rick DeSantis in Florida has a strong following. And uh, again, to broaden the idea of a political party from being the individual personalized cult of one man. No matter what you think of Trump, that's a wholesome thing and a positive thing for Republicans in this greatest nation on God's green earth.